On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank, we bring you the latest OU updates, including OU's transfer portal success and the non-conference schedule release in the National College Football Roundup. We bring you the latest college football news, including Josh Heupel being named the coach at Tennessee. We give you our winners and losers of the week and talk some OU hoops in football guys talking basketball. To finish up, we discuss the PGA Championship coming to Southern Hills and keeping it local. Please download and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. My man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Thursday, January 28th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more, they do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving Money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. Now we're recording this on Wednesday night. Just a reminder, if you listen on Apple Podcasts to leave us a five-star review, and comment with a guest you would like us to have on the podcast. And Ted, we do have another Brad Pitt update. Another okay. Brad Pitt update. The message has been relayed to Brad's brother, Doug. So okay. Doug is now aware that we would like to have Brad on the podcast. I'm not sure how much closer that gets brad to coming on here everyone likes doug in the family is gonna know of the invitation before it finally gets to brad now is doug the black sheep of the family i mean is this is doug does he talk to brad or is this like you know so so scott who is our listener that is trying to make this happen for shout out to our man scott he actually sent me a picture of doug and brad and Brad, I'm not going to lie, Doug looks a little bit like Brad. He's obviously, ah. I mean, there's only one Brad Pitt, let's be honest. That's right. But, but hopefully, the sign of it, them being in a picture together, I, I was like, well, that's a start, you know? <laughs> that's a start. That's a start. Hey, you, we're, I think we're slowly getting there, maybe. I don't, I don't know who's better to deliver the message. I mean, I, it's fun either know. way. It's fun either way. I love it. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. You're the man. We appreciate it. Now, let's get to the OU news because, oh my gosh, there's a lot of it. And that's brought to you by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience. 
There are temperature screenings at all entrances and masks are required for all patrons and employees because your safety is Riverwind's number one priority. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. For January's Kitchen Cash-In, all wildcard members that earn 500 points on GCG machines will win an Emerald Legacy knife set. Bam! Look at Riverwind kick it up a notch. If you need help finding your way, just visit riverwind.com, Riverwind Casino, simply the one. Where do we start? Oh my gosh, it's it, it's a lot. Let, let's start with the portal. We'll start with the portal. The transfer portal continues to be extremely kind to the Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, let's start with the news from earlier in the week that had a lot of OU fans fired up, and that is Keyshawn Lawrence. A 6'2", 200-pound defensive back announced that he is transferring from Tennessee to Oklahoma. I believe he goes by Key. So I'm going to call him Key. If, that, if that's what he wants, Ted, we'll, we'll call the I'm going to call him Key. Key. I'm going to call the man Key. Key. What's up, Key? This is a guy that was a Rivals Top 100 player, very highly recruited kid, uh, even took an official to OU back in 2019. Now, he played a little bit. For Tennessee last season, uh, had a couple nice games, right? But you know, was was a young player that probably didn't get on the field as much as he wanted to, especially with how highly recruited he was. But Teddy, when you look at this guy, you see the size, you see the ability. It's all about the potential this kid has, right? It is, and I got to tell you, man, it says way more about Oklahoma. Whenever we get a six foot two, 200 pound safety that was a rival's top 100 kid, a four star, and I'm like, uh, I don't know if he'll start or play, but it's nice the to defense, have him. To, the defense has come a long way in two years, man. I'm telling you, man, and I'll tell you what, a six two kid, we've heard from the staff since day one, they want to get bigger, they want more length in that secondary. With Keyshawn Lawrence, 6'2", the Mukes kid from Choctaw coming in. He's 6'3", 6'4". Justin Harrington is 6'3", 215 pounds. I mean, this defense looks so much different than it did two years ago. You got a 6'5", Mike Backer, for crying out loud. And you're going to have rangy safeties there on the next level. I mean... Things are looking up. I, I, it's fantastic news, but and I know everyone's all blown away. Like, yes, transfer portal, but I don't know that he'll ever step foot on the field. That's that's how much more talented we are right now on defense than we were in the past. Yeah, I think that says a lot. And we've talked about how the defense, especially the last couple of years, while it's gotten better, especially when you look at last season, like the body types, especially in the back end. Like that they they just didn't look the part of an Alabama or a Clemson or a Georgia, you know, some of these SEC programs where you look across the board in the secondary and everyone's over six foot, everyone's over 210, 215 pounds. 
and they're starting to look that way. Now, the key for the coaches that get these guys that look so good to play well, which isn't always easy, but when you're working with guys that have this type of size and athleticism, these traits, I hate that word, but it's the perfect word. Like they've got all the traits you want for defensive backs. Now it's just time to coach them up, coach them up and make them players. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's the good thing because I feel like it's not never easy and I don't mean to, to act like it's easy, but for this staff, I feel like, the big, you know, um, the big challenge has been getting those guys on campus. When we, when we get them here, we're going to develop the hell out of them. And you look at the different way that some guys have played over recent years that were not their recruits and are, are different type of guys. So the development factor, and it's always a key, like every university, it doesn't matter what your recruiting is. I mean, you always want to recruit well. There's no doubt about that. But if you're not developing the guys when they get on campus, then in the end, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. You're not going to be improving anything. So I feel like the development aspect of our our defensive staff right now is, I mean, excellent. Whenever you just like, for instance, the defensive line. 18 months ago, we're talking about we don't have anyone here. And now I feel like we're like, four deep at every slot on the defensive line. I feel like every single guy on the roster is a contributor that can be counted on. So the development is happening there and I'm glad to see these guys getting on campus. Yeah. It, w- when you're able to get that talent and develop it, that's when you get a special team, right? When, when you get the talent and don't develop it, that's how you end up like Texas. Right, and what they've gone through over the last decade. So let's hope that that defensive staff continues to develop guys the way they have because, man, with the talent they're bringing in, it it, it could be pretty special. Now, Keyshawn Lawrence isn't the only Vol headed to OU. Uh, Running back Eric Gray announced his commitment as well. This guy was one of the most productive backs in the SEC last year, by far Tennessee's best back. And uh, I think OU fans are going to love the way this kid runs. Uh, Talked to a couple people today. Talked to our man Cole Kublik, who's watched a lot of Tennessee and was able to track down some of his film. And this is a kid, Ted, that gets north and south quickly, runs extremely hard, finishes runs the way you want to back to finish runs loves contact, but don't get me wrong. He can make guys miss. In fact, he has shown the ability to make some vicious lateral cuts, especially at like full speed. This is a guy that can do a little bit of everything. Good receiver out of the backfield. I I think he can help this team. He's kind of a blend in my mind. I, I think if you combine TJ Pledger and Seth McGowan into one human being, that's kind of what I see from Eric Gray. But I think Lincoln Riley will be able to utilize this kid and really use his skill set to the Sooners' advantage. To the Sooners' advantage, I like him a lot. I mean, I'm excited about it. I, I think the if you were to if you were to pick three positions that you could have a transfer 
uh, a transfer portal guy come to OU, you probably would have picked tackle, running back, and safety, right? Aren't those the three positions you would pick? Uh, you probably didn't think you'd get him from one football team, but like I've said before, I feel like it's the breakup of the Soviet Union and everyone's scooping in to take the submarines, the tanks, and the helicopters um, with, with Tennessee right now. So they're all positions of need. I love to hear uh, of the potential with Eric Gray. I still believe, although I thought there was some shortcomings in the running back room a season ago, I still believe that room has the potential, even without Eric Gray, I feel like that room has the potential to be fantastic. I think Seth McGowan's going to do a lot of growing this offseason, physically, mentally, just understanding of the game. He's got a year under his belt. We've said it a billion times, but not having the the spring and the in the normal summer last year in training camp, I think set behind put those those freshmen uh, a little bit behind where they normally are. So I think he's going to make some huge strides. And I thought Marcus Major really showed his value late in the season. So I, here's yet another guy that I like. All the reviews are fantastic. But in no no means is it a guarantee that he's going to be getting reps next year in the fall. Yeah, and and that's what you want, right? We yep. talk about it all the time. You want to create that competition in every single position room. Running back's the exact same. I mean, Eric Gray, he is going to have to fight to get on the field, and that's the way you want it to be because – if he's trying his best to get on the field, then the other guys are trying their best to get on the field, and it raises the level of play of everyone in the running back room. I'm sure DeMarco loves that. When you talk about Brooks, McGowan, now Gray, and Marcus Major, that's four quality backs, in my opinion, that are going to be scratching and clawing for carries. And there are some rumors... Right. That's what I was about to say. It's interesting, you know, because a lot of people have been saying that Eric Gray's coming to Oklahoma and that he would be announcing that. But then today and, you know, you never know what to believe on this stuff. But there was uh, some message board fodder or whatever going around out there that apparently Kamar Wheaton, who's committed to Alabama, has not signed there yet but is committed to Alabama now that they've got a different uh, offensive staff in there was interested in coming back to Oklahoma. Don't know if any of that's true, but that seemed to be a a rumor that's out there. So I don't know if that's now off the table with Eric Gray announcing. So I don't know. DeMarco Murray's probably been burning up them phones here in the last couple of days. That aboard Marco. The Wheaton kid seems like, he seems like a bit of a different dude, just a little bit from I mean, how weird his recruitment was to now if he's back and I don't know, just seem, seems like a different guy. I, I don't know the kid at all, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save my judgment, but he's not your typical five-star recruit. Kind of hard to get a read on, it seems. Sometimes whenever there's an interesting vibe, the best thing to do is – you know, be like, ah, thanks, but no thanks. But again, 
like you said, I don't know the kid. Maybe there's a very legitimate reason as to why the recruitment was was strange and a little bit different. But here's what's great. I trust DeMarco Murray and that offensive staff to make that decision. I do too. If they think – and Kamar Wheaton, you know, we've all seen the highlights, right? The kid can play. There's no I, doubt hey, about that. You know as well as I do, every now and then it's okay to take a flyer on a guy whenever there's that much upside. Absolutely. Uh, another transfer, grad transfer coming from Arizona, interior offensive lineman Robert Conjol. I think I'm saying that right. I don't know if I am, though, but I'm going with Conjol. If I'm wrong, sorry, Rob, Bob, Bobby. But he has grad transferred to OU. And he is already enrolled. Uh, talked to Bill Biedenbow about him. And obviously, he thinks he's a good player. That's why they are bringing him in. But this is a guy that he can play guard and center. So the way I see it, you can never have too many guys that can play all three interior spots on the offensive line. Uh, guys with that versatility are so valuable, even if he's not a starter for you it just gives you a little more depth at every position especially you can never have too many guys that can stop the football but just like we're talking about with the running back room hopefully Conjol pushes Marquise Hayes and Tyrese Robinson and Andrew Rame and Chris Murray and they all elevate their level of play because there's only three spots for all those guys to play in the interior offensive line so once again this just creates more competition, Ted. I love it. I mean, it's, I mean, it's fantastic stuff. You know, I sometimes you wonder like, if if you're an interior guy, you've got to be looking at that roster and being like, "Gosh, dang, they're awful stacked there." Maybe I'll go somewhere else. But it only takes one year if you can find your way onto that starting lineup, beat somebody out, win a job. It takes one year. And if one year at Oklahoma playing lockdown offensive line, you know, you got a shot. And I, I think that you just add that depth because it feels like we've, for the most part, dodged it lately. But, I mean, how many times at Oklahoma have we seen injury situations kind of explode and the next thing you know, we've got a, a tight end that's snapping the football or – you know, we've had stuff like that in the past. So the more depth that you can have in those interior positions, the better. Absolutely. Definitely agree with you. Now, as exciting as it is getting these kids to come to OU in the transfer portal, keeping a guy that has been a solid contributor before is also great. And yeah. Laron Stokes has, you know, our, 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 boy, our buddy uh, Jason Kersey reported that Stokes will be back for the 2021 season. He was banged up the back half of last year. Didn't really get to see him, but this is a guy that the coaches can rely on, which is obviously important, but also pretty good player. Not a great player, but definitely a guy that can be in the defensive line rotation. He can play a lot of snaps for you, especially with the way that Grinch and, and Thibodeau like to rotate bodies. So uh, I see, once again, <laughs> the depth of this defensive line, Ted, it, it feels like it's just stacking up and stacking up and stacking up, which is exactly what you want. Some people may see this and go, well, how, how are these guys all going to play? 
listen, that's the problem you want to have. Let the coaches figure it out. I mean, it's, it's seriously, I mean, I don't know that I can ever remember a time that Oklahoma has been this deep quality wise at the defensive line and inside backer positions. I mean, I can make you a list of nine guys probably on the defensive line that I would trust to go in on a, on a snap in snap out basis. Does it ebb and flow in there a little bit? Yeah. I think there's obviously some guys that are better than others, but if we have a series and you got like um, Stokes and Roberson and Ellison out there, am I panicked? that we're not going to get anything from the defensive line? Absolutely not. I probably wouldn't even notice if someone wasn't saying it as they went in. Well, I mean, that's, well, that's one of those things. And just like those three guys you mentioned, right, they've played a lot of snaps now. And the best way to look at it for me is like those three guys, they're not as good as Perry on Winfrey. But those guys on their first snap, coming off the sideline is better than Perry on Winfrey. If he's playing his sixth snap in a row, that's no why depth, not even close. That's why depth on the defensive line is so important. It, it's, it, it allows you to stay fresh and it allows you to be better. Not only throughout the entire game, but early late, like you're just a better defense when you are able to rotate that many guys on the D line, especially. I mean, I got to imagine as an offensive lineman, Whenever you've got a guy, you could tell when they're winded, man. And you see a line change come out, and all of a sudden you got a fresh body, and you're eight snaps in yourself. The worst. You know? The <laughs> absolute <laughs> worst. So, I mean, that's, it's, it's definitely a benefit. So, no, I think, it's, I think we're in a really good spot now on the defense because, you know, I'll tell you the same thing about inside backer. I thought Aguebu had a good year. I thought Osamoa had a good year. But I can't tell you that those are going to be the starters next year can't do it there's there's too many guys that are factoring in in that room right now and that's what you want and they're all going to play that's the other thing they're all going to play we are gassing up this defense they better be good <laughs> next year they better be good. A, another exciting piece of news that came out billy bowman uh, all everything kid right out of denton he just showed up he decided, you know what, I'm going to be an early enrollee, which brings the number to 10. And it's kind of crazy because I swear to God, I saw that he was like playing in a basketball game last night or something. And then it was like, oh, you know what? Yeah, I'll enroll early. I'll start working out. Like It's just, it, I guarantee you Lincoln Riley is thrilled though. I don't think, you know, I've talked to a couple people. I don't think they know where they want to play this kid. I think they're going to try a little bit of everything once whatever version of spring ball takes place. But man, this kid is talented. And this is a guy that I would be shocked if he's not on the field for him next year. I mean, he's got that level of talent. He's that explosive and dynamic. And what's crazy is, and I've heard that from a lot of people that he may be the best player in the entire class. Um, and it's probably the it's probably the guys that that really, you know, are in depth on all the recruiting. He's the name that those guys are most excited about, and he's probably the least known guy in the entire class. Like, 
you know, a lot of people don't even know who he is. And you're right. It, it's exciting to have the people, him in. the people that follow Texas high school football know who he is. I guarantee yeah. you that. Yeah. So no, I think it's awesome. Excited to have those guys. And from what I know, from what I've been told, like they're, they're progressing as if this is going to be a 100% normal off season. I've heard nothing of any restrictions whatsoever. I don't know that to be fact, but from, from the people I was talking to that would know said normal, totally yeah. normal. Let's hope. I just hope that, that can always change. Obviously. Yeah, it can always change, but I just hope it's that way with, with what those kids had to go through with all the protocols and stuff and right. That stuff's not going to go away, especially with the new variants and the coronavirus and all that stuff. Like they're still going to have to do a bunch of annoying things to make sure they're being as safe as possible. But I just hope it's, it's not as bad as it was for them during the season. Cause I talked to a couple of those kids. They were stressed out about that. I mean, it weighed on them. So ho- hopefully, you don't know, it's... I mean, you've got people that are totally healthy that are popping positive tests and having to miss. I mean, every single time you take a test, it's like, is this my turn to miss two games or two weeks? It's crazy. Awful. But, you know, trying to keep everyone safe. We're all doing our best. Okay. Non-conference schedule was released for OU. Uh, they're going to open the season at Tulane on September 4th. Now, my only hope is that the world is close to back to normal by then so that me and you can go enjoy Bourbon Street, can go enjoy New Orleans. Maybe we go to that casino, play some blackjack. I don't know. Is but it still please. Harris? Yeah, it's still Harris. Hell yeah, it yeah. is. Well, but uh, the hey, only thing. I'm down with that. That game is actually going to be at Tulane. It's at Yulman Stadium there on their campus, which their campus is actually pretty damn cool. It's not, yeah, it's not not at the Superdome, Ted. I'm sorry. I mean, is there any way we could sabotage Tulane Stadium last minute to where they move it to the air conditioning? Because let me tell you something, buddy. September 4th down in New Orleans is going to be swampy. I'm going to bring two pairs of pants <laughs> for the sideline. I'm going to bring two pairs of pants. There's no doubt. That's going to be, that's going to be a tough scene for me. I'm going to have to bring black, two pairs of black. Kick, baby, baby, two thirty kick. <laughs> Ooh, gosh. Okay. Western Carolina comes to Norman on September 11th. Uh, let's just call it what it is. That is what they call a buy game. B U Y congrats to Western Carolina on getting, what I assume is the majority of their athletic program funded with that ass kicking that they will take on September 11th. You do what you got to do, I guess. Um, I guess the one thing we can look at for games like this is maybe we get to see another quarterback in there. Maybe we get to see some of these young guys get some extra time. Some of the guys a little bit down the depth chart, but I mean, it's college football until they change things. This is the system we got. This is, this is what you're going to get for the most part. Um, if you're in the sec, you get three of these. If you're in the big 12, you get one. You just had to get that sec joke in there. Didn't you? <laughs> yeah. For the sec, we'd schedule uh, Western Carolina, like the last week of November, like they do, you know, I wonder if they're still going to do that. Uh, well, 
All the SEC yeah, schedules. I've seen their schedules. Yeah, yeah they just they came have, out. They, they are doing it. They, exactly are, doing. they are definitely doing it. We'll talk about the SEC schedules down the line. It's too early for that. Um, now, uh, third non-conference game is the one that everyone's talking about, and that is the Nebraska Cornhuskers, our old friends, the old rival, coming to Norman on September 18th. Now, when this game was scheduled, people thought, Scott Frost may have things rolling at Nebraska by now, that this would be a game that you know maybe would be nationally relevant. Now, it's still going to be very relevant because of the history of the rivalry, right? But that program is not in a good place. It's certainly not in the place that a lot of us thought it might be in, and I'm, I'm glad they're not good. I'm glad they're going to come to Norman and hopefully take a whooping. <laughs> like, I, I won't lie. When this game was scheduled – I was like your age. I no kids, just my wife and I, you know, do whatever you want every night. Things have changed since this game was scheduled. And yes, Nebraska now is god awful. That's probably going to be like a 27 point spread whenever we host them at home. And that's why I've got to say this may be the suckiest non-conference schedule that Oklahoma's had in a long time. It's it's not great. It's definitely not great. But at least the Nebraska game, like something about it will feel will will make us feel whole. It'll almost. it'll be nostalgic right up until the ball's kicked off. Right until their <laughs> offensive line gets on the field and you're like, that's that's not what a normal Nebraska offensive line is supposed to look like, but it will be cool. I know the date is a little different. I know the game of the century was in November, but the 50th anniversary of that game, which by the way, I, I don't, that that's not my game of the century. I refuse. I, I can't label. Now, once again, I was you know 29 years from being born or whatever. I, I can't, I can't get on board with the game of the century being a game that OU lost. I just can't. I refuse. It was a game of the century maybe for them. I yeah. Mean, I, I mean, we could if, if we need to, we can get you a game of the century. Um, well, that is interesting. What is the game of the century? Ohio State? The uh, Von Schaumann? Oh, I we thought you were talking game. about the flag plant game. I was like, yeah, I'll take it. That one was awesome. Well, I mean, that was that's a different century because that's this century. I mean, we've got to find something. Don't back bring in math the day. into this, bud. Don't you dare. We don't do math I mean, on this podcast. I know the Nebraska game in like '98 was not the game of the or '97 was not the game of the century when OU went up there and lost like sixty to nothing. Yeah, we don't talk about that one. <laughs> don't talk about that one. All right, let's move on to Call Your Shot. That's brought to you by Rock and Roll Tequila. Rock and Roll Tequila is the ultra-premium tequila that hits all the right notes. It's won all kinds of awards for its superior taste and smooth finish. To find it to find it in a store, visit rockandrolltequila.com or check out their Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. This stuff is good. If you don't want to take my word for it, maybe you'll listen to this guy. This is Coach Bob Stoops. When you're a college football coach, it's important to have an eye for talent. The same holds true when choosing your tequila. When I tried rock and roll, I liked it so much, I decided to become a partner in this Oklahoma-owned company. 
Crafted in the highlands of Jalisco, Mexico, the smooth taste of rock and roll's triple distilled platinum, our Añejo, called Cristalino, and the incredible premium quality mango tequila are awesome. Our defiantly unique guitar-shaped bottles make it easy to find, and you'll love the ultra-premium quality and taste. No excuses. Make rock and roll your game day tequila. Tastefully rebellious, start the party with rock and roll. And we asked you, what OU player do you think is making himself the most money at the Senior Bowl so far? And got a lot of responses, but our, our favorite comes from Brett Chilcote, who says, Trey Brown for sure. I've only seen a few clips of him, but he isn't playing like he came from, quote, can't play defense, Oklahoma. Would love to see big play Trey get big time drafted. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. If you go down there and get on everyone's radar, and we've talked about this before, but you know, you you've always got some preconceived notions whenever you evaluate film on somebody. And if you're not high on a kid and you kind of find reasons to to have marks against them. But if they come down to the senior bowl, they flash they get some turnover, some interceptions. They play well in one-on-ones. Well, then you start watching film and looking for reasons to like the kid instead of have the negative marks. And I feel like that's what Trey Brown's doing right now is he's getting some eyeballs. Then all of a sudden, whenever you go to pro day, there's going to be people that perk up a little bit whenever you tow the line to run your 40. And that is where Trey Brown is going to make his money because he will separate himself from almost every other corner in the draft with the number he's going to run in the 40-yard dash. Everyone's loving the clip of him picking off Ellinger in the one-on-ones. Of course, OU fans are loving that. But I do think uh, the shift to nickel has helped him a lot, right? Not the prototypical size for an outside corner, but his speed and quickness – they're covering slot receivers, playing that nickel position. He's always been a guy that's been willing to tackle also. So I think him getting to operate at that position has helped him a lot. And you're seeing clips on Twitter. I was watching the practices on ESPNU today. He he certainly is making plays. And uh, I think that he's definitely helping himself. And I think it has a lot to do with him playing that nickel spot instead of an outside corner spot. So I think he's helping himself. I really do. Uh, I do for sure. All right, Ted, let's move on to the National College Football Roundup. That's brought to you by Insurica. Do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers, They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, 
Connect with Insurica at insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. Only one place to start for college football news. Josh Heupel has been hired by his former boss at UCF, Danny White, to be the new head football coach at the University of Tennessee. Tennessee fans don't appear to be overwhelmed, let's say, Good. by the hire. But, what, Teddy, what do they expect? I, I mean, did they really think that James Franklin was going to leave that $7.5 million salary at, at Penn State? I mean, did they think Billy Napier wanted anything to do with this job with the mystery that surrounds the program with the NCAA looking into the program right now, Tony Elliott, what this was the job he was finally going to leave Clemson for. I I just, I don't understand that fan base's expectations with the current situation that that program is in. I don't understand why they just can't give Hypel a chance and even Danny White said it. He was like, you guys need to be more positive on social media. Stop being so negative. Like, like give us a chance. I mean, but you know it's bad. He he is already Vol's Twitter is already calling for Danny White to be fired. The guy's been there for less than a week. Well, it's a it's a fan base that is delusional, and maybe all fan bases are delusional to a certain degree, but James Franklin's, he's not going to leave Penn State to go to Tennessee right now. Tennessee, the Tennessee job today is the worst it's ever been. You're you're in the SEC East. Florida is back and playing great football. Georgia playing great football. South Carolina just hired a good coach. Kentucky, Kentucky is better and more consistent maybe than they've ever been at, at football. The East is in a good spot. Even Missouri has has hung around and, and stayed solid. Tennessee is a you-know-what show right now. They've got possible probation or uh, get hit with scholarship limitations. They're going to have something coming down from the NCAA. They've got players that have all entered the transfer portal, it's crazy right now. And if anyone thinks that anybody is going to leave, to think that Franklin's going to leave Penn State is absurd. This is a good hire that gives him st- some stability. I'll tell you what, I, I mean, I'd say the loser in this thing is Josh Heupel. The winner is Tennessee, you know, because I think Josh Heupel's a hell of a football coach, but I don't know that he's going to have any success there. But for Tennessee, what you're going to get is I know you're going to get a, an offense that's going to give you a difference maker at quarterback. They have not had a difference maker at quarterback since T Martin in 1998. That's how long it's been. It's been a while. They've, they've been average. J- Josh or, Dobbs was decent. He, he was, uh, I, mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say he was a huge difference maker though, but like he was, he was solid. I'll, I'll give him the word solid average he okay perfect example josh dobbs is the best since t martin 
Josh Dobbs is the best since T. Martin. And, you know, he's the guy that got blown up on the goal line uh, on a, what was it, a two-point conversion to beat Akron or something like that, okay? That's that's the best quarterback they've had since T. Martin. Heupel's going to get Ricochet shot play. at the Akron zips for no reason. <laughs> They're going to get good quarterback play. He developed Bradford. I know people don't like it, but uh, Landry Jones is all-time leading passer of the Big 12. He developed Landry, um, you know, won a Sugar Bowl with Trevor Knight. Okay, you got Drew Locke. He's done it with multiple quarterbacks down there at Central Florida. You're going to get good quarterback play. You're going to have an offense that puts up numbers. I think it's a great hire for Tennessee. Heupel, it's going to be tough. Yeah, it's it's definitely a not not an ideal situation that Hype is walking into, but may, maybe he's the right guy for it because uh, now I am really interested to see how he handles how that team is covered because our our buddy Andy Staples I've heard him say it before and he said it again recently he thinks that being the head coach at Tennessee is right up there with being the manager of the New York Yankees when it comes to the criticism you receive from the people that cover the team and the fan base. So like it is a brutal job from that perspective. I wonder how hype is going to handle all of that. Now, once again, winning games fixes everything. We all know that, but when it, when the hire was announced, my initial reaction was similar to yours, Ted, where I was like, well, at least they're going to score some points when they lose right. games. And we've said it a lot before. If you're not going to be good, you better be entertaining. And that's the key for Hypel, Because while the fan base for Tennessee is very unreasonable, especially with their expectations. They, they deep down, they know that Heupel's walking into a shitty situation here. And if they can put up points and at least keep the fans entertained and maybe they have a couple upset wins, things like that in the first couple of years, like maybe they'll stay on board. The, the key is just he can't lose the fan base because that's how coaches get fired. And I'm really interested to see what his contract, what the length looks like, what the buyout is. I wonder how six years, right? I mean, you never know what the the buyout language is like, but here's the thing is, you know, the biggest advocate for the head coach right now is the athletic director. So that's always a good guy to have in your corner, but you're right. That is a very vocal and, you know, (laughs) Well, you say what you want about him. Clay Travis is like one of the most active people in the entire country on Twitter. And that happens to be the school that he's always constantly hammering over and over, uh, watching their every single move. I'm sure, I'm sure hype will, will grow to love Clay Travis. <laughs> uh, I, I'm sure that, I'm sure that's exactly how that's going to go. But I, I look at one thing that, is always funny to me is when an athletic director comes out and was like, he was our only, only target. He was our number one guy. We weren't looking at anyone else. It's like, 
you hired a search firm and like, there's been reports that you, you were talking to other guys about the job. Like he doesn't need to come out and say that we all know it's not true. We all know that hype wasn't his first choice for this job. Like a couple guys said no. So you went to a guy that you were comfortable with. That's fine. You don't have to lie to us, Danny white. It's okay. Yeah. I, I mean, can we start a uh, head coaching search firm? Because I don't know that any of those firms do anything. Do they do anything at all? You want a list of names? I'll give you a list of names. Hell, I'll give you a list of names in the next five minutes if you want one. Just don't put Alex Grinch on the list. <laughs> we want that guy sticking. Which, uh, listen, that's exactly where my head went when I was like, oh, my gosh, that UCF job is opening up. Now, it could be another OU guy, right? Jeff Levy seems like he's mm-hmm. definitely in the mix for that UCF job, right, with the coordinator there not too long ago. So there's going to be so many guys that want that UCF job. I, I think UCF's a better job than Tennessee. I, I really do. Well, so, here's the one thing I'll say about Heupel and taking the Tennessee job because typically I would agree, but – I feel like there's been a bit of a plateau for Heupel there. Like you've got at some point, you've got to take advantage of your climb. And when your name is semi hot, you got to take a good job. Like good point. He may not win at Tennessee, but it's rumored that he just got a $24 million head coaching gig, $4 million a year for six years. I mean, you just, you don't turn that down. Right, it's it's once in a lifetime money, and knowing their fan base, they'll probably fire you in eighteen months, and you'll take your buyout and go back to UCF. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll see. But they're gonna score points. That's gonna be exciting. By the way, I, the Hendon Hooker kid from Virginia Tech transferred to Tennessee, so I wonder, I wonder if that's gonna end up being who hype plays the quarterback because that's a guy that he can throw it around a little bit, can use his legs hypes utilized mobile quarterbacks in the past. Uh, I I think he can get pretty creative. That ends up being his guy at QB. I I do want to say one last thing. And this continues to piss me off to no end. I do not understand. OU fans that are rooting for Josh Heupel to fail. I, it, it, it makes no sense to me. It, it, it bothers me. I mean, maybe that's the best way to put it. Like this is a guy that was the most important player on a team that won the national championship at Oklahoma. And I know that maybe his last couple of years as the offense coordinator didn't go as well as People wanted it to go. Hell, I was on the team. Like, I get it, right? I understand. We we didn't play well enough a couple of those games. Like, I I, I get it. But how do how do you call yourself an OU fan and not support Josh Heupel? I I it, it baffles me, Ted. I I I can't understand it. I've tried to find a way. Be like, well, maybe this is their reasoning. Like. I can't come to a conclusion where, oh, yeah, it makes sense that these OU fans want Josh Heupel's coaching career to crash and burn. Like, I, I, it pisses me off, man. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's incredibly frustrating. You know, the season, the ultimate season 14 that ended up being the nail in the coffin 
Mayfield wasn't eligible. Joe Mixon didn't play. Jalen Saunders, I think, wasn't able to play. I mean, you start burning through a lot of that list, and it's like, how different would things have been for Heupel if he would have had those guys? So, I don't know. I it's it's past time to let it go, and you could say that Oklahoma, both you could say that both are better off. You know, I think that Heupel is the head coach at Tennessee. That's historically a really good spot to be in, a head coach of an SEC football team. And Oklahoma obviously is happy with where they're at. So there's no reason to have any animosity one way or the other. I'm with you. Don't don't be that OU fan. Someone someone needed to hear that. Don't don't be that fan. Okay, there there was other big news in college football, and that pertains to the college football playoff committee. Uh, five members' terms have expired. That includes OU Athletic Director Joe Castiglione. So there's five new members, and the new members are Kentucky AD Mitch Barnhart, NC State AD Boo Corrigan, Texas Athletic Director Chris Del Conte, Nebraska, and Kansas City Chiefs legend Will Shields. Look at him putting an O-lineman on the committee. Let's go. And Virginia Union Athletic Director Joe Taylor. Now, I want to make it very clear. Chris Del Conte being on the committee is a good thing. It is a good thing to have someone with a Big 12 type. Teddy, stop shaking your head. It is a good thing to have someone that wants to see the Big 12 get in. Right, even if it's Oklahoma, Cristo Cate, they make money. Texas makes money if OU gets in. So I know some people were all like, "Oh my gosh, he's going to keep OU out." No, he's not, because if OU makes it, Texas gets a lot of money. It's all about money with my man CDC. But here's the thing. Well, here we go. CDC. Uh, Chris Del Conte is a puppet. He's a puppet. You know, just like we already saw with the Sarkeesian hire, Sark wanted to bring in uh, a position coach. They got they got trumped. They got um, told what to do from their donors, their buddies with the oil rigs that control what goes on there. It's going to be no different when it comes to this crap. I can just see it right now. Uh, wait a minute. Texas is five and five. Why are they number six in the playoff rankings? It's going to be ridiculous. It's so stupid. And I know that's not going to happen, but I'm still, I think they're idiots down there. Okay. I mean, the way that (laughs) place is run is ridiculous. So I have to get my shots in when I can. He will be an ally. I know it's hard. I know it's hard to believe, but he will be, he will be a big 12 ally. I'd rather someone from the big 12 be on the committee than someone not. That's that's how I see it. I, I know that it, it it sounds a little weird because he is the athletic director at Texas, but I think it I, I think it's a good thing. It's okay. It'll be okay. I do want to say this. I think Mitch Barnhart at Kentucky is a way better advocate for Oklahoma than Chris Del Conte will be. Huh. I don't know anything about Mitch Barnhart. I'll take your word for it. Mitch Barnhart's Eric Barnhart's brother. What? No yeah. way. Yeah. 
I didn't. I, how was I supposed to know that? I don't know, but he is, and he'll be a better advocate for Oklahoma, I think. Than hell yeah, Mitch, let's this. go. <laughs> well, now no, we got I, two. We got yeah, Delcate, right. who will want We're Texas in, to make money. Let's go. That's I. Just on uh, a, a little note, Will Shields. If you've never had the pleasure of watching that man play, that is a bad man. Uh, won the Outland at Nebraska. I mean, it pretty casual. He's in the College Football Hall of Fame, Pro Football Hall of Fame. He is an absolute monster of a human like being. Like a ten-time All-Pro or something crazy. It's like, like twelve, that. I think, it's, for the Chiefs. Yeah, insane. Lawton guy. Let's go. All right, let's move on. Let's start with our winners and losers of the week. And Teddy's winners and losers are brought to you by Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs. They'll help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatments for men and women. Their licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or low energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers to get on the path to losing weight. Call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you will get a free fat burner injection. Nice. All right, Ted, who do you have as your winner of the week? Well, I, you know, we talked about Trey Brown down there at the Senior Bowl. I got to give a shout-out to Creed Humphrey. Yeah, um, we, we saved it. We saved it. I knew you yeah, wanted to use one of I them, mean, at least, for your winner. Here's the thing, man. We talked about it. Going into the season, Creed was one of the, the higher-ranked offensive linemen in the entire country. And for one reason or another – he fell down that list, wasn't really on any of the the first or second round mock drafts out there. But now that he's down there, they get to see him in one-on-ones. They get to, get to see how big and physical and smart he is. He's going to, in my opinion, I think he's going to be right back into that first and second round group there. Uh, once they get, get their eyes on this guy and start going back through that film, they're going to see fantastic stuff from Creed. So I think he's a big winner right now down there in the Senior Bowl. Been hearing some good things. Yeah, I've been talking to Creed every day uh, about what's going on there, some of the things. How about this? On Tuesday, he had 16 official meetings. Wow. Yeah, he had. I remember him saying that they were doing them there instead of the Combine. So, so he had 16 on Tuesday. He's got 16 more on Friday. 16 plus 16 is 32. Ooh. He's having an official interview with every damn team. Are, so is, are they are they doing it via Zoom or face-to-face or what? The Senior Bowl, they, they bought a bunch of plexiglass. They're doing it face-to-face. Yeah, yeah it was it, – it's interesting. But he – he has been the most dominant. Now, I've talked to several people that are down there, you know, NFL guys, um, scouts, and agents. He's been the most dominant O-lineman in the one-on-ones. He hasn't lost a single rep from what I've been told. And with the ones I've seen, he's done what I like to call put the shackles on a defensive lineman. I mean, the guys just just stop, like, in play. I mean, it, it, it has been – really dominant in those one-on-one drills now where he's had a few I wouldn't even say struggles but like it's just stuff he didn't do at OU like he didn't snap the ball in her center so I, I've been talking to him just about some of the technique tricks right when you're under center like hey you can put more weight in your feet you can load up a foot 
to make it easier to bucket step going one way on outside zone, like stuff you don't really know if you haven't done it a lot and you haven't had someone teach it to you, you know, teaching him. He'd never blocked duo before, which to anyone that doesn't know what duo is, it it's a gap scheme with no pullers, right? You're looking for double teams across the board up to the second level. It's a very common play in the national football league. And they're running a lot of duo. The Dolphins staff are. And, you know, I'm telling him, hey, when that guard, when you feel like that guard's about to climb to that backer, hey, throw your head back to the other side and it'll help your body go that way so you don't be, get beat across when the guard disappears. Like, these are all these little things that once he gets reps at them, he'll be fine. He'll, he'll, he'll be fine. But he is being asked to do things he's never done. But the stuff he's been doing, just locking a dude up in pass pro, I mean, it's about as impressive as it can be from a center. The stuff I've seen from him in the one-on-ones, I, I just watch and I'm like, damn. Like, that dude's got to be strong, strong. That's awesome. Would you feel like I, I would have an un, unstoppable urge if I was in the middle of a room surrounded by plexiglass being interviewed to throw out like my best Hannibal Lecter impression, right? Isn't that what it reminds you of? Definitely. <laughs> well, hello, and Clarice. <laughs> give us, give us the fava beans with a nice canty. You got that in the arsenal? <laughs> I don't, I don't. That's just what I thought about whenever I pictured Creed sitting on a chair in the surrounded by plexiglass in the middle of a room. <laughs> I don't think I can make that noise. Nice canty. <laughs> no, I can't do it. That was awful. I apologize, but yeah, it's probably it's probably pretty weird, but it sounds like everything is going smoothly down there from an operation standpoint from the people I've talked to down there at the Senior Bowl, and they're doing all the practices. The coverage is great. Watching the practices on ESPNU has been pretty good. They do that recap show on the NFL Network every night, so I've, I've enjoyed it, and Jim Nagy's such he's done such a good job bringing more exposure. To that event. All right, Ted, who do you have as your loser of the week? I thought about going with Chris Winkie because I can imagine that he had to say, oh, my, the one person, the one person you hire for this job is Josh Heupel whenever I'm trying to hang on to my position. Oh, God, I had to be brutal. But if I was Heupel, I'd keep him on as the quarterback coach and hire Torrance Marshall as just like one of the guys around the office to constantly troll Winky and, and Oh my gosh, who's that? Do you remember the commercials where the football player would just tackle people? Yeah, gosh, who Terry was it? Tate, office linebacker. <laughs> yes, yes. It would just be that, but with Torrance Marshall yes. knocking the shit out of Chris Winky. <laughs> exactly. So uh, that's who I wanted to go with, but then I had to go with Sam Ellinger. Who I think it was Todd McShay said after watching him there at the Senior Bowl that I think the quote was he's Tim Tebow without the fanfare and it's just I like, believe it oh, was he's Tim Tebow without the circus without the circus and it's like oh my God I don't know that there's a quarterback that you would you know want to be compared to less although Tebow was a first round pick I think what twenty five to the Broncos but. That is your one goal 
if you're Ellinger going to the senior bowl was to not be compared to Tim Tebow. That's the only thing that you wanted out of it. He's going to be running H back before the week's over. I'll say this. I understand it's fun to make fun of Sam Ellinger. I enjoy it. I do. (laughs) But I have had a few people tell me that he does look, he's worked on his throwing motion. He's worked on his mechanics. He does look like he's throwing the ball better is what I've been told. Now, he's thrown a couple picks, and he's had some bad moments, don't get me wrong, but they like his makeup. They like that he's really putting the work in, trying to become a better passer. He's an intangibles guy. He's a leadership guy. He's never going to be an NFL starter, in my opinion, but I agree. He, is, he is the type of player that is great to have on your team, He's great to have in a quarterback room. He's great when it comes to being a backup and helping the starter, right? You know, maybe he sees some things that the starter doesn't see. He's got a future in the league, whether people want to accept it or not, just because of the type of person he is maybe more than the type of player. Here's, here's the old, I, I agree with everything except for one, one thing. I, don't like him as a backup because he's too competitive. And what I mean by that is if my starter goes down and I put Sam Ellinger in the game, I know that he's going to try to win the game on every play and he's going to try and run over a linebacker in the third quarter to get the first down and he's going to get a concussion and I'm going to be on to my third string quarterback. Sam Ellinger does not know how to slide and not sliding in the NFL equals early retirement for quarterbacks. That is very true. Or that's my only, or you don't retire and you look like Cam Newton this year. (laughs) It can, it can, it can be that. All right, my winners and losers are brought to you by Sound Advice. A lot of us are watching our favorite football teams from home this year, which is why you need to get ready for Super Bowl Sunday with a home theater system from our friends at Sound Advice. Sound Advice can customize your home entertainment system indoors or outdoors. Sound Advice did the Wi-Fi network and all the audio visual in my new house, and it is awesome. They hide all the wires and the cable boxes, so it looks great, and I can, and I can control every TV in my house from my phone. And my Wi-Fi has been flawless for the best home theater systems in the Oklahoma City area. Call Sound Advice at 405-549-3880 or visit soundadviceokc.com. Okay, my winner of the week, I thought about going with Karis LeVert because turns out getting traded to the Pacers may have saved his life. I mean, that whole story is just insane, right? Yeah. Cancerous growth removed from the kidney. Sounds like he's going to make a full recovery. That's awesome. But uh, I also thought about going with all these people on Reddit, right, that have pulled off that short squeeze via GameStop stock, and it's got all these brilliant hedge fund managers scrambling to get money from other people and not go bankrupt. Like it's God, it's, it's crazy. Just imagine being like a a higher up in GameStop and uh, GameStop and part of your like packages they give you however many shares of of GameStop and you never think it's going to get above $20 and here it is just like exploding it's like 
I mean, it's it's honestly it's a hilarious story because it's really nothing more than a bunch of uh, gamers with nothing else to do that yeah. are bored. People on the internet, they're like, you know what? You know what we're gonna do? We're gonna ruin these rich guys' lives. Here we go. Let's do it, and it has worked. <laughs> now, the only reason those people aren't my winner of the week is because I do fear that those hedge fund managers, they're going to get their revenge somehow. And I'm worried. So I'm a little worried about that. So I just, I, this seems like it's just the start of this whole saga. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to go, uh, my winner of the week, Northwestern football, because Pat Fitzgerald, the ultimate Northwestern guy has signed a 10 year extension to be the head coach at his alma mater had been a lot of rumors, right? Ted about NFL teams mm-hmm. coming after him, but he will be staying with the wildcats through 2030. He's already the winningest head coach in school history. And I'm not sure there's another coach on the planet that is a better fit for that program. And it, it is crazy. Northwestern has won the Big Ten West, two out of the last three years. Northwestern. What? Crazy. Uh, I mean, he is is a hell of a football coach. He's done a fantastic job of developing players in that program. I think he's one of the best coaches in the country, and it's awesome to see him stay put. It's great for Northwestern. I think it's great for college football when guys stay put like that, but congrats to Northwestern for keeping him. That's awesome. No, I think it is awesome. He's, he's the perfect fit there. He's obviously being an alum, he understands it, understands the difficulty, understands the, um, the, the problems that they have that other schools don't whenever it comes to recruiting and getting guys to qualify and all that stuff. Uh, But at the end of the day, you get a heck of a football coach and, you know, every now and then when the stars align and they got the right amount of, of, of talent and senior leadership and those things, they churn out some pretty good football teams. Yeah. And don't be surprised, right, in the next 10 years if they play in three or four more Big Ten championship games. I know it sounds crazy, it's but crazy, they've, played, they've played in two of the last three. Okay, my loser of the week. Now, I did think about going with Damian Lillard because – you can't release a colorway of your signature shoe trolling the Thunder franchise and then lose to the Thunder. Come on, man. You can't do that. Ridiculous. Well, Take that L and like it, Damien. Yeah, I, I was, I'll never forget that horrible, horrible, horrible shot that he hit against the Thunder in the playoffs. That's one of the craziest things I've ever watched in sports live and been like a dagger into my heart. The wave, the wave's the worst part because that's never going away. That, that gif is living for eternity. It's so damn good. And it causes me so much pain every time I see it because I was like, (laughs) Oh man, that was against the thunder. Oh, brutal. But my loser of the week, it's gotta be the baseball writers association of America. And we never, and I do mean this may be the first time we've ever talked about baseball on this podcast. Yeah, Listen, I don't know that we've ever even mentioned it, honestly. <laughs> well, here we go. Here's th- this may be the last time we talk about baseball, but 
the baseball writers, they didn't elect any new people to go into the baseball hall of fame. And every year when this happens, I have the same conversation with anyone who wants to listen to me about it. I, I have a big problem with people that benefit off other people's talents and then get all high and mighty on those people, right? That's like me being like, you know what? I don't like any of these OU football players because they did this, this, and this. It's like, you know, I'll, I'll criticize them for what happens on the field, but the moral judgment stuff, like, you know, there's there's some stuff you can do where, yeah, obviously I'm going to tell you you're a scumbag, but I have a big problem it's like they're holding old grudges. And yeah, yeah. It's like, I, I'm gonna, gonna, I'm not gonna vote you into the Hall of Fame because you didn't treat me a certain way whenever I was writing for you back in the whenever. And, and the problem I have with it is Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame. He's one of the two or three best baseball players that have ever played Major League Baseball, ever. He should be in the Hall of Fame. Now, Roger Clemens should be in the Hall of Fame. How many Barry Bonds articles have these guys written? How, how, mu- how much did baseball benefit? Baseball as a whole, not just the writers, but everyone. It was the best period. That it was awesome. I used to watch baseball. baseball. Yeah. It was can't miss baseball. And the other thing is it wasn't illegal in baseball. They weren't testing for it. So the league knew what was happening and was okay with it. And I don't know. I'm I'm totally with you on that. Totally with you. And maybe some baseball purists will call us idiots, but I just don't understand how a guy like Barry Bonds, who has the statistics, who's undoubtedly one of the two or three best players ever, doesn't go in the Hall of Fame. Like, Like, I know he wasn't the nicest guy, especially to the media. I understand that, but I mean, come on. A, a good real. reminder about how horrible baseball writers are in this hall of fame vote is Hank Aaron, who passed away this week was not a unanimous hall of famer. Nine people didn't vote for him to make it to the hall of fame, even though Gabe, At the time when he was first eligible, he was the all-time home run leader. He was the all-time RBI leader. He had over 3,700 hits. I mean, the list goes on and on, like 25 all-star. I mean, just insane. And there were writers that didn't vote him in as a Hall of Famer. Well, you know what those writers are, though. They're just racist. Those well, are I just mean, racist. You can call it whatever you want. And I mean, it's like the same thing. And I know a lot of people disagree with Kurt Schilling and his politics, but I think the best thing that he ever did is remove his name from consideration because all it is, is <laughs> so, every year, so everyone you, just uses it as an opportunity to bash all the guys that they don't like. So Kurt Schilling did ask, to have his name taken off the ballot next year, but this is the most baseball writers association of America thing ever. They came out saying that Kurt Schilling could not remove his name from the list. Yeah. Because they want to write their hit pieces on him again 
next year. And they want to write their hit pieces on Barry Bonds in the steroid. Just put Barry Bonds in. It's stupid. The guy was incredible. Baseball, everyone, everyone in baseball benefited off Barry Bonds. Everyone. Just put him in. It's not that hard. No one's going to really care that much. No one cares about baseball anymore. That's that's right. Here's the other thing is, okay, if you think the steroid era of baseball was appalling, well, it still is the history of baseball. It needs to be in the hall, right? It's exactly. A, it's, it's part of the story throw of a, Major throw League a little baseball. asterisks next to it on their plaques or put a little steroid syringe. I don't care. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Just, just put them in. It's part put of, it like you said, it's after, part of it. Before and after statue, right? Yeah, sure. Just show, show his head growing <laughs> like three sizes. It's fine. We don't care. All right, Ted, let's move on to FGTB. And Football Guys Talking Basketball It's brought to you by Tim Hughes Custom Homes. Are you looking to build your dream home? If so, Tim Hughes is the man you are looking for. Tim Hughes Custom Homes is a one-stop shop for all your home building needs. He can find you a lot. He can find you an architect. He'll find you financing. And of course, he can build your dream home exactly the way you want it. Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, Tim found my wife and me a lot. He found us an architect and built our new house. Tim and his team were so easy to work with. He is still helping us when we have questions about things around the house. He's also built several office buildings. So if your business is looking to build a custom office, Tim Hughes is your man. You can see Tim's custom builds throughout Gallardia, Nickel Sales, Oak Tree, Stone Mill, and Rose Creek. It is a great time to build the house of your dreams. For more information to see Tim's spectacular work, visit his Instagram page at Tim Hughes Custom Homes or visit TimHughesCustomHomes.com. Okay, let's talk some OU hoops, Ted. OU beats Texas on Tuesday in a game that had approximately, I don't know, 215 fouls called in it uh, i mean the the refs they put on a show for us but texas didn't have shaka smart they didn't have Cordy ramey they didn't have jericho sims didn't have brock cunningham and i really don't care that much that they didn't have them because now the game shouldn't have been as close as it was for oklahoma oh you should have won by more their their late game execution was not great some of their shot selection great wasn't great the the whole sequence there with Jalen Hill was a little I actually interviewed Jalen Hill on my serious show and I was like okay man tell me what, what what was going through your head after the free throw sequence and he was like I was really pissed off at myself it was it was pretty <laughs> great it was such a such a great answer but they could have executed better late but they went on the road which is not easy right now and also they didn't know who was going to play for Texas. It's kind of hard to game plan for a team who you don't know is going to play. They got a win on the road in the Big 12. You'll take it. You'll take it every single time. You definitely take it. Um, and I do not feel sorry for Texas at all. Everyone's gone through stuff like this at one point or another this season. And if they haven't, they will. Uh, that's just part of this year. So uh, don't feel sorry for them. Definitely take the win. Now, I will say this. I am not using this game as any type of reference to think that OU has climbed into some, you know, different position than I thought they were going into the game. I, I, I'm, I'm not at all. If no, anything, I'm, I'm with you because yeah. Yeah, you, when you look at it, it, it it's, a, it's a win against the top five team. Right. That when you look at it on paper, that's what it is. 
But that was not the top five Texas team. It wasn't. Uh, I mean, Courtney Ramey's kind of their go-to guy, especially in clutch situations. Like these guys have played a ton of basketball for him. Jericho Sims is a really bad matchup for OU as well with what he can do, protecting the rim and just getting easy dunks. Uh, Brock Cunningham's kind of their energy guy. Like that, that wasn't the Texas team that is in the top five. It just wasn't that. It, and that's okay to acknowledge like that. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I am honestly, <laughs> I am baffled at the shots that Austin Reeves takes. I mean, his shot selection baffled. is questionable. It's questionable. Now, the one that he made from behind the backboard was badass. That was awesome. But once again, rather questionable. He either makes it or like bangs it off the backboard or air balls. Like there is no in between for Austin Reeves. I mean, I wish that he would share some of that confidence that he has with Brady Manick because Brady Manick's confidence is gone. Do you think... Because he had the coronavirus, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think he's still struggling physically a little bit? Because you're right. He he doesn't look anything like the Brady Manic we're used to seeing. And I don't know if it's because he still has some of the effects from his battle with the virus, but he just looks like a zombie out there, man. I don't I don't think so, but I don't know. I mean, it could be. Coming off the bench, a, I don't know. Is that affecting his? I think it's his? a confidence issue. I, I do. Gotcha. I think that Brady Manick has has always had a little bit of a confidence issue. That's why whenever he's hot, he's red hot and he's streaky as hell. But whenever he's not confident, he doesn't perform well. That's why the first two years of his career, he was unbelievable at home, but atrocious on the road. Like could not hit shots on the road at all. And it felt like he finally got over some of that. And then he misses because of the coronavirus. He's out for an ex- extended period. Now he's back and he's coming off of the bench. I think he's just questioning himself and his confidence is, is down in the gutter, which, you know, is a horrible combination because when you're on the bench and you're not hitting shots because of your confidence, well, you're not really going to get an opportunity to get your confidence back up because the coach isn't going to put you in or start you. So, um, I don't know. I feel bad. I know this isn't the way he wanted to have his, his, you know, his final season, his senior season, but hopefully it comes back around because I honestly feel like they are, they're way better when they get a Brady Manic that's firing threes and feeling confident. Yeah. I, I will say this about OU. I feel like they've got more guys that can contribute than they've had in a while because uh, I like what the Harkless kid is doing Davion Harmon, although he turned it over too much against yeah, Davion Texas. Davion Harmon did not play well. I mean, no, but he didn't play well and he had been playing well, but I thought it was a good sign that when he struggled, especially protecting it. the basketball, they were able to overcome it with, you know, with Emoja Gibson coming in and getting 12 points, uh, with Jalen Hill hitting three threes. I think that was a career high. For yeah, him, he's only had points. two threes, I yeah, think. Yeah, ever. so like <laughs> they they were getting now Reeves is gonna take the bulk of the shots, but you're getting contributions from a lot of different guys, and and, and that can be a good way to win basketball games, especially in the Big 12 conference. So that win made it two straight top 10 wins 
top 10 wins. We're still calling it. It, it is. It is a top 10 win. But OU will go for a third straight top 10 win against number stacking nine. Stacking them, baby. Let's stack go. Stack them. Stack them uh, against Alabama on Saturday as part of the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Now, little mini scouting report here for you on Alabama. They have won 10 in a row. Uh, names you need to know for the Crimson Tide are John Petty Jr., Jaden Shackelford. Those are going to be their scoring guards. And then Herbert Jones is their most effective forward. They're going to shoot a lot of threes. So expect OU to challenge them out there at the three-point line. And one thing that really stands out about this team from the couple of games I've watched of them, they can defend. I mean, they they really turn up the pressure on the ball, and they they get after it on the defensive end of the floor, like to push the pace off some of those turnovers they force on defense. So that's good news, Ted. I think we're going to get a lot of points in this game. Let's go. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's an awesome matchup. Um, you may call it unlucky that they get Alabama on one of their up years, but I think I think this is a great opportunity for this team. You know, they've got to be feeling pretty good about themselves, but you're right. I mean, Alabama has some great length, great athleticism. Uh, they're coached really well. I think they kind of take on the attitude and mentality of their coach that he ain't scared to say what he thinks and let it fly, and he's got some big personality. And this team kind of plays that way. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. So excited for that one. Also, Oklahoma State uh, for the Big 12 SEC Challenge. They're getting Arkansas on Saturday, and hopefully Cade Cunningham will be back for that one. We'll see. But I will say this. uh, Matthew Alexander Moncrief and Rondell Walker, they looked really good against Iowa State. Now, Iowa State is terrible this year, but – Oklahoma State fans, Cade Cunningham's not going to stick around, right? We all know that. But Oklahoma State fans should be pretty excited about those two freshmen. Those guys can play a little bit. I I think they got a bright future there. Now, did we ever hear exactly what the deal was with Cade Cunningham? I, you, We have to assume he had coronavirus, right? But he was there. But did he have it? And Because remember, they had that little break, right? So there's some okay. weird... The, the thing is, and it sounded like, and I think Mike Boynton made the right decision, you know, going back to that Baylor game, right, where he said, we didn't want to put, you know, there are protocols in place, but this is kind of how I think Mike Boynton handled it. Cade Cunningham's going to be a, at the absolute worst, a top five draft pick. And he wasn't about to put him out there against a good team when he hadn't practiced in bad, a week yeah. and a half or something like, because too many things could go wrong. He, he didn't want to. Now I'm, I'm I'm assuming here. I haven't talked to Mike Boynton about it, but I'm guessing with that kid's future being so bright that he didn't want to run any risk of him injuring himself or anything like that when he hadn't practiced in a while. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I think he's just protecting him. I think it was a smart decision, but hopefully he plays Saturday because he's a lot of fun to watch. All right, let's finish up with Keeping It Local, where we highlight what's going on in the great state of Oklahoma. It's brought to you by Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. They know that children need to be in school and are doing everything possible to make that happen. Bishop McGinnis students were welcomed back last August and saw very few interruptions in 2020. With a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio, 
No student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. I'd like to point out, I think that's the first time I haven't messed up that ad read in like months. Months. There we Love go. It. Let's go, McGinnis. All right, story. Very exciting for both of us, Ted. We are golf guys. Um, I'm starting my lessons this week. I'm very nervous. Let's go. But the PGA of America has selected Southern Hills Country Club in Tulsa, Oklahoma to host the 2022 PGA Championship, replacing Trump Bedminster. It certainly helped that the PGA officials have already been in Tulsa planning the senior PGA championship that'll be at Southern Hills in May. But it also seems like the recent $11 million upgrade to the course and the amenities really worked in Southern Hills favor here. This is huge for the city of Tulsa. It's huge for the state of Oklahoma. It's huge for golf fans in Oklahoma. This is awesome. I can't wait. I, I think it's awesome. Um, oh, we're going to get like a tent or something there. There's no doubt. We're going to get oh, something. I, we're going to do something. Um, I say that. I have no idea how to go about doing that, but we're doing it. Uh, sponsors, we're, we're talking to you. Well, you want to put a tent up? We'll come up there and have some beverages with the folks. I'm just um, – I'm curious. Do you think the PGA gives like a grant? to Southern Hills to help like get the course prepared and everything and the beating that it will take with all the people there just for extra staff or is that there's got to be something like that right there has to be something built in like that like a host fee or something something yeah or or I I kind of see where your head's at where they're like I and I don't know this is a great question for someone that's more dialed into golf but is the fee like is the rewards you getting to host the event you right. know what i mean just i could see it being that way in golf for sure they're like well we're doing this for you actually we're we're allowing we're gonna you ruin to ruin your course it. you're welcome <laughs> i've 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 always wanted to play there uh, i still haven't played it so just throwing that hint out there to to any of the listeners any Tulsa we, listener we talked oh, last summer we already threw it out there and we, we we struck out gabe so maybe this time around Someone's going to extend the invitation. I better start practicing if we're going to play that golf course. And especially yeah. if we start practicing a lot, like right now, you know, take a few lessons, right? You think we can get good enough to qualify, Ted? Never. Not even close. <laughs> Those Never guys are so damn good. Close. Those guys have been practicing since they're four years old. There's no way. I'll tell you this. Like, there's a big difference between playing, like, and I'm, I'm not saying that Southern Hills is easy right now, but I'm, there's a big difference between playing a course as it's normally set up than whenever it's PGA set up. It is brutal the way they set those tournaments up for, for just a regular PGA event. The, the U.S. Open is, or the, the championships are, are just a whole nother level. Yeah, I, when we were in Hawaii not too long ago, I was playing and I won't tell the story where I drove my ball right next to him when we are on different holes, because that's embarrassing. But <laughs> I, we were at the, we were at that halfway house there out of McKenna in Maui and John Rom and this group of guys pulls up. They were out there for that tournament over at Kapalua 
and I'm, I'm talking with him and the, the guys in his group a little bit. And I just look at him and I go, Hey man, this may be weird, but when you tee off, do you mind if I just like come stand behind you just to, just to see. And he see looked at me, he was like, like, he was like, dude, I get that all the time. Yeah, no, it's cool, man. Come on. Which I was like, Oh my God, here we go. So he was asking me, he was like, okay, so I'm just going to play this high fade, you know, right, laid it right over those trees in that patch, you know, where it opens up. And I was like, I know exactly what you're talking about. I can't do what you're talking about. I have no idea how to do what you're talking about. But he says that and then hits a perfect high fade right over the tree line, right into the landing area. And it went about 125 yards in the air. And I have never been so excited to see a golf ball be hit in yes. my entire life. It was awesome. Dude, I, I so I played Oak Tree National once with Taylor Gooch. And, which by Why the way, would you I do that? I, yeah, it was it was dumb, but it was still awesome. So I was looking at his driver, and so you got the the head of the driver right, and then there's a line right in the middle of it at the bottom where it hits the tee exactly the same every single time that he hits it. There's just like a stripe of white paint right there. I've got like T marks all over the place on my driver, and there's just a stripe where he just. I mean, strokes it perfectly every time. It's amazing, man. Those guys are amazing. Good for good for those guys. Good for those guys. All right, Ted. Episode 81 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Monday morning. Dan Orlovsky, we're going to do a Super Bowl preview with Orlovsky at some point. Uh, I just got to get with my man Dano and find a day and time that works for him because he's like the busiest guy in the world. Now, but we'll we'll try to get that. I, I don't know if it'll be for Monday or for next Thursday's show, but we'll try to get that done for y'all. Uh, just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on Sports Talk 1400. You can hear me from 3 to 5 on Sirius XM, Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great weekend. Until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening. And do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.